Welcome to the Think Christian Podcast, where we'd be so happy if you left a review of the show on Apple Podcasts. Just a sentence or two shouldn't take too much time at all, but that would really help us reach new listeners. Thank you in advance. I'm Josh Larson, editor at thinkchristian.net, where we talk about faith and pop culture because there's no such thing as secular. We've got a music show for you this time around. Wilco has a new album out, Cousin. It comes on the heels of last year's Cruel Country. Now, lead singer and songwriter Jeff Tweedy, he's already a patron saint of TC for his work with gospel legend Mavis Staples. But his work with Wilco, that is also spiritually provocative, if a little less blatantly religious. How that plays out on Cousin, I am eager to discuss with Eric Danielson and Sarah Welch Larson. So let's do that now. Welcome to Eric Danielson and Sarah Welch Larson, two folks I often lean on when it comes to music topics for the show. Eric and Sarah, how do we feel, how should we feel about Wilco performing live right now? As we're recording, we, we sort of discovered this earlier today, but it's the last show of their tour tonight in Chicago. Does that bode well for our conversation? You know, Wilco is in the air or or do we just kind of feel like we're missing out? I think this will be an equivalent listening experience, so I'm not worried about it. Yes. I, I admire your confidence. Yeah, pro- probably Sarah and I are the ones who should mostly feel left out because we're here in Chicago. Like it's it's feasible that we could have gone to this if we had gotten tickets. I don't know Sarah, what's so. wrong with either of you. I feel like, you know, so it's fine. (laughs) Maybe we'll make the encore. Who knows? (laughs) Yeah. Good idea. Good idea. We'll try that. So I knew of Eric's fondness for Wilco, but I did need to check in with Sarah for a reminder on where she stood on the band. And, And Sarah, here was your succinct response when I emailed you. You know me. I like dad rock. Yes. I, I should have known that then. So so here you are, Sarah, talking with two dads about Wilco. I'm not going to even make a joke about the 1980s sitcom My Two Dads because I think both of you are too young to remember that. That probably. is correct. I, yeah. I knew that it was on as a kid. I never watched it. So Okay. But, so but, let's let's just move on. But props to Paul Reiser wherever he's at tonight. So Oh, there you go. Yeah. Nice. Mad about you, well, you know. I have been listening to Wilco since before I had any real notions of being a dad. So uh, that was, you know, two now grown kids ago with Wilco's debut, 1995's AM. That was a favorite of mine from that that early alt-country era. We have kept tabs on the band here at Think Christian from time to time. Eric, I think the last time we touched on Wilco at TC, it was for 2019's Ode to Joy. You wrote about that for the website. Yeah. And since then, the band released the double album, Cruel Country. And now we have, just about a month or two ago, Cousin. So, Eric, where do you see this relatively quick follow-up to Cruel Country? Where do you see it fitting in among their recent work? Yeah, so I have, just looking at Wilco as a whole, I mean, there's a run for me from Summer Teeth, which is 1999, through The Whole Love, which is 2011. And if you take, there's six albums in there, if you just gently extract Wilco the album from that run. <laughs> the other five <laughs> albums, that's my that's my A-level, you know, God tier, whatever you want to say, Wilco run. Okay. And then I have, you know, what to me is kind of the next tier, the B to B plus records. I, I put Cruel Country and, and Cousin both firmly mm. in that second tier. Um, and in fact, I was watching just to prep today um, an interview with guitarist Nels Klein, who was talking about a lot of these songs coming from this really prolific burst of songwriting that Jeff Tweedy experienced kind of 
during and kind of just after the lockdown COVID. And so I think, you know, while sonically there's a lot of differences, um, obviously there's a lot of similarities and a lot of common ground here. For me, those two records, you know, they're not going to dislodge anything mm -hmm. in my upper Wilco tier, but they're also records that I will absolutely come back to and uh, really feel strongly about. Nice. How did how did this one, how did Cousin hit you, Sarah? I like it. Wilco's one of those bands where I like listening to them, but they kind of fall a little bit back into the background whenever I'm listening. And I strongly suspect that that's partly due to the way that Jeff Tweedy just writes his lyrics, you know, kind of that sort of mumbling and then getting into getting into the lyrics. For this one, I don't know that it's necessarily my favorite. I tend to prefer them when they're more a little bit explicitly country or folk. But this is also a record that sort of started to soak into my bones in a little way. So it's one where some of the more deceptively simple songs have really gotten their hooks into me. So I've been yeah. enjoying it for sure. Yeah, I think I've had a similar experience. It's interesting <clears throat> I've listened to it, you know, a number of times, first when it came out and then, you know, more recently intensely as we decided to do this episode about it. But I almost found just today, just this afternoon, actually, that I appreciated more in the background, as you say, Sarah, while I was doing other stuff than I did when I sat down and like, you know, I did the intense, I'm going to watch the lyrics while I'm listening. I did this on the bus the other day, actually. Yes. <laughs> and, and I was enjoying it then. I do. I think it's a really strong album. But it, today it struck me like, oh, this is really beautiful when I just had it on in the background. And I don't know how to explain that sort of relationship of giving it maybe putting less pressure on it or something. I don't know. Anyway, I, I think it's a really solid entry, uh, as you describe, Eric, uh, among their albums. I did find myself mostly enjoying what I would call the throwback tracks that that kind of have that loping alt-country tempo where where it's it's fun, but there's, you know, that underlying sadness that's always in a Wilco song. I think I'd probably place Evicted and maybe Cousin, the title track, both fall in that category for me. But even beyond that, I think it's a yeah, I think it's a really strong entry and I do find it growing on me the more the more I listen to it. Now Eric, you and I were emailing about recent music releases and when Cousin came up, uh, you said this, there's a lot there about trying to make beauty of everyday anxiety and sadness. So I wonder if you could elaborate on that and maybe give some thought to how that practice, this this practice of making beauty from sadness, how might that resonate with a Christian understanding of things like beauty and brokenness? Do you have any further thoughts on on where you were going with that? I have many further thoughts on where I was going. <laughs> All right. I so love you, it. <laughs> you may need to cut me off at some point. No, um, I, I think it's something that started throughout the record, and, and I'll, I'll say more about this in a second, but kind of through what Wilco's been doing for the last couple of decades. But I think the most explicit, literally explicit reference to this comes late on the album on what's currently my favorite track, which is Pittsburgh, where Jeff Tweedy talks about how, and I won't say this for the podcast because I don't think we need an explicit rating on this one, but how rain can turn manure, fertilizer, natural material, into a rose. And Tweedy's somebody who's been over the years very, he is on this record again, um, pretty open about his mental health, um, about addiction that he's come through. And I just really kind of see finding beauty in sadness or brokenness or, or, or pain, whatever you want to call it, um, as kind of the great project of the last couple decades of his songwriting. I was thinking, if I can tell a quick personal story, I was thinking today about how I, maybe 15 years ago, I don't have the timeline quite right, but he and his son, Spencer Tweedy, who's a great musician in his own right, they recorded a record together away from Wilco uh, called Suki Ray. And that album was named for and kind of written in response 
to Jeff's wife, Sue, who had cancer at the time. And um, she's still living. As far as I know, she's healthy and doing well. But he gave this interview around the time of that record where he said something to the effect of, you never feel one thing at one time. You always feel more than one thing at a time. Mm. And I don't know why. Maybe that thought is intuitive to other people, but it was not to me at the time. And as a Christian who's really tried to to, to make a home for himself, you know, in places of joy and hope and all of those things, but also struggles with my own mental health and with just kind of regularly being broken down by what I see going on around me or even what I see going on inside me, that felt like permission to me to feel more than one thing at a time. And I think that that has to be, if not a parallel to the gospel, it's like overlapping tracks. Like, you know, the, the old idea of like always sorrowful, always rejoicing, you know, that we we see the world being made new, but we are also maybe especially bothered by the fact that it's not made new yet um, because we know it will be. And so for me, Jeff Tweedy has kind of over the years, and now I see it in so many other artists, but kind of given me permission to feel okay spending time in the brokenness, spending time in the sadness, spending time in the anxiety, because I can not necessarily write my way out of it, but I see what's on the other side of it. And yet I also don't have to feel shame in the midst of it. And so I think that's happening on this record, but I think it's really kind of the, the through line of their last maybe 20 years worth of music. Um, and I'm really grateful for that kind of extended witness. I love that line too, because it's immediately followed by hearing TSA going through his clothes as well, which kind of adds another dimension of this is an ordinary situation that literally everybody has to go through at some point if they want to get anywhere in the country or in the world. And that's also kind of a reminder of the brokenness of the world because we wouldn't have people going through our clothes in TSA unless there was originally like some inciting reason for them to have to do that, you know? And so I think that that kind of adds that additional double permission of here's this beautiful line about how something beautiful can still come out of something terrible or, or really crummy anyway. And you can still feel that even when you're being deeply inconvenienced by, you know, TSA opening up your luggage in front of you too. Yeah. And not to like further just delve into the depths of Pittsburgh, but um, that next verse, he says something about how uh, I've always been afraid to sing, but that's all I ever do. I've always been afraid to sing. Oh, that's a little thing. And I think there's something really resonant there too for for creative people, but you know, also just um, for Christians that like we are almost most afraid of the thing that we were made for. And I just think that there's I don't know there's a lot there for me to unpack still, but um, that's I don't know that resonates a lot. Yeah, I think you guys have both captured well what's what's so attractive about their music, even though it can delve into sadness in such a a knowing way. There is something cathartic about it, or at least familiar about it, comforting about it in its sadness. There's a, I think what you were describing, Eric, is like Christian realism in a way. I always think back, my my mom was once described once as a Christian realist. And, <laughs> and it was, it made sense because she's, you know, she was, she was very joyful, 
but also incredibly clear-eyed and wasn't going to sugarcoat anything. Mm. And her faith was very much a part of that. And I think that can be distinct when people expect Christians to be happy all the time, you know, sure. and 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 not really think about the brokenness of something that is in the present, but maybe something in the past that we've gotten over, we've gotten past, which isn't the case. So, yeah, if there's sort of a, a soundtrack to that sort of Christian realism, I think Wilco's music serves that purpose in a way. I, I think another song that I heard this on was Infinite Surprise. And for me, just thinking about it musically, you know, it definitely progresses from that familiar Wilco fuzz. And I am I imagine that that fuzz is very serene to like guitar heads, but I'm not that. And so I've always found it kind of nerve wracking when they start going in that direction. But here on Infinite Surprise, you've got the fuzz, but then we move into the delicate gentleness of Tweety's voice. You get a cleaner guitar line. And I just like that trajectory as making space both for unsteadiness and also some sort of assuredness as well. You know, the chaos does come back later in that song, but the chorus is also there to kind of keep it at bay a little bit. I don't know. That's kind of how I heard it. And, and I do think, you know, this is clearly a relationship song. I think it's about how the merging of two faulty people makes love difficult, but also gives it surprising beauty. But I think there are clear theological overtones here, too, to that idea. You know, God accepts us in our failings. And indeed, that that very acceptance is the ultimate infinite surprise. I, I just love the title there. It makes me think of C.S. Lewis's Surprised by Joy, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and things like that. Empty. So, so that was the song that kind of fell in line with what you were just talking about, Eric, and you touched on Sarah. I don't know if there was another song maybe in that direction or something different, Sarah, that stood out to you that um, you found particularly resonant. I think I actually got kind of hit by a bit of a one-two punch between Sunlight Ends and then the immediate follow-up, a, a Bowl and a Pudding. And I think A Bowl and a Pudding caught me off guard because I wasn't expecting a song in 6-8 timing, and I am a sucker for a rock song in 6-8 timing. <laughs> it's such a romantic time signature, and I don't think that I was fully primed for it. So it caught me off guard. It knocked me back on my heels a little bit, and I think it made me retroactively appreciate the songwriting in Sunlight Ends a little bit more. So I know I said earlier that Wilco kind of goes in the background for me, and I feel like these are two of the quieter songs on the record, but they're also the ones that resonated the most for me, partly because they stood out. There's a little bit of a almost ironic repetition in Sunlight Ends specifically of like, you're not the kind of city street that anyone can cross. You're not the kind of mountain stream that anyone can cross. You're not the kind of desert sand that anyone can cross. And getting more and more remote as the singer is elaborating more about the things about this person that they're singing about that are special to them and that yet still keep the two of them kind of at arm's length. You're not the kind of city 
Like the dust in the light Where the sun comes in And I'm following Until the sunlight ends There's a beauty and a grace in that recognition that this other person is not you. And there's also a very deep sadness to that at the same time. Like, I love my husband and I'm never going to fully be able to understand him the same way that I do myself, you know? Um, And that song captures that so beautifully and so delicately, I think. And then it keeps circling right on back down to that almost joy of infinite surprise. And then when the record closes out on Meant to Be, it kind of feels like it's closing on a moment of certainty even Mm. though the entire track list up until that point has been kind of uncertain and kind of sad. So I appreciate that cyclical nature because there are a lot of contrasts that are being drawn here and it doesn't feel like it's a a dichotomy. It doesn't feel like two things that are in complete and total opposition against each other, but it does feel like there's tension there. And I, I appreciate that a lot. This is an album that makes the case for the album, I think. Yes. You know, we're, we seem to be getting further and further away from it, but you'll, everyone's will still come across one where, yeah, this is all of a piece. It makes that journey that you just tracked, Sarah, and, and is all the better for it. We've hit on some great tracks, but I wanted to make sure, just because I'm eager to hear what the two of you made of this one, but 10 Dead, which <sighs> comes earlier, and it strikes me as this depression dirge, And I'll save my other thoughts on it because I think probably many different people could take many different things away from it. So, so where did that one leave you, Eric? I think I I don't remember the order of operations here, but I feel like I might've even read about that song before I heard it. The, The person who was writing about it was mentioning how, and I have to go back and look at the lyrics now, but how Jeff Tweedy kind of repeats, but then also alters the use of the words 10 dead mm-hmm. um, to kind of place us in, for, for folks who haven't heard the song, kind of place us in the midst of this daily reality that we're living where there are, are shootings constantly and, and the idea that you hear 10 dead on the news and then at some point you find out there's no more than 10 dead and somehow that feels like some sort of consolation. Yeah, that song is devastating. I mean, it's very quiet. It's one where the words cannot help but cut through the mix. And, you know... It's hard for me to find anything other than tragic beauty in it, but that's certainly one of, if I made a short list of songs on this album that will stick with me and, and certainly carry across kind of the Wilco canon, this is one of them. You know, if you, if you listen to Cruel Country last year or whenever that came out, that was, you know, he's never super overly political in, in the music, but there's often kind of this like looking around and you can tell that it's kind of this discontent with what America has become, kind of just the feeling inside America. And this may be one of his more overtly um, kind of specific songs uh, on that level, but it's just, yeah, I don't know what else to say other than it just always, I, I know what's coming and it kind of catches me every this time. morning and I went back to bed Ten dead, ten dead Now there are ten dead Turn on This one hit me a lot closer to home than I think I probably would have liked. I don't talk about this very much, but there was actually a shooting at my university my senior year of college. And by like most shootings at this point, 
It was a very small one, but still somebody died. And that was really... The fact that we have to say that, right? I know, right? And and yeah. it kind of ties into those lyrics of like 10 more, 11 more, what's one yeah. more to me is still so deeply devastating. I felt a really strong sense of recognition in the lyrics here of, I woke up this morning and I went right back to bed because there's terrible things happening in the world right out there. It was a song that I had a really hard time listening to at first and then... I think I rejected it because it was so blunt about mm. those levels of, of feeling. And then on repeated listens, it's something that has grown on me. And I hate that it's grown on me largely because I hate mm. that this is the reality of the world that we live in where this is, this is what we have and this is what we have to deal with. And we still have to keep on going through the world in this way. So kind of sadly devastating, but at the same time, there is also kind of that grace in that recognition and the ability to express that level of sadness and to say, no, really, this isn't something that we have to accept. It's something that we are supposed to mourn and supposed to feel bad about and supposed to grieve. So tough song for me personally, but I think that that's kind of the point. Yeah. 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 Forcing us to look when we want to turn away, when we want to go back to bed, mm -hmm. there, there's a certain courage in doing that. And, you know, we... We haven't really noted, but I listened to this song, I don't know how many times before the most recent shooting in Maine. Yes. And, it, and it's just like this, you know, um, obviously it's going to feel even more potent than your note about him as a political songwriter, Eric, reminds me. And we, we did write about this, I think, Krishna as well, John J. Thompson, back in 2017 when Wilco released All Lives, You Say. And this was mm -hmm. a time during the white supremacist marches in Charlottesville, Virginia, and sort of a response to that and the Black Lives Matter movement and all the dialogue and discord around that. That's definitely ranks as one of their more political songs as well um, and is a powerful one. So as good as that, as 10 Dead is in terms of the work it's doing and sitting in the brokenness, I'm glad that it is at the beginning of the album, so there's some progression away from it. I don't think we want to leave our conversation there. No. So I do want to see if there's anything else either of you want to touch on before we wrap up. We've quoted a few lines here. I'll just say that, you know, Tweedy's lyrics are this sort this this mumbled poetry. It's not just in his manner of singing, it's in his wordsmithing as well. Uh, intentionally, like I'm not saying that this is, you know, just tossed off. But it's meant to feel like words that just kind of be, got mumbled out and somehow found a poetic way about them by the time they hit the page. I go back to Evicted um, and this, maybe I'm a whistle on a lonely old train crying all the time. Just the, you know, such a vivid picture that also I think stands in for a great way to describe a lot of Wilco's music and one of the things I like about it. So that was one of my favorite lyrics were there any other lyrics or another song we haven't mentioned or just something in general either of you wanted to mention before we go? Two things I would say really quickly. Um, one is I think it's worth noting, and, and a lot of people I think rightly um, have credited this person with with what this record sounds like, but Kate LeBon, who's a, a really cool artist in her own right, um, produced this album. And I was actually just reading today something Jeff Tweedy said about how he's not 
uh, super interested, and I so appreciated this, super interested in what white male rock bands have to say anymore and that there was a deliberate choice to bring a woman in to produce the album, and I really appreciated that. But the other thing that I can't help, this is more of an overarching thing, that I can't help but think of, you know, there's there's that idea in Japanese art, uh, Mako Fujimura talks about this a lot, of, of kintsugi, where you take something that's broken, especially ceramics, and you uh, put them back together with this with this beautiful metal, and you see the beauty in what's filling in the cracks, but you still see that it was broken. Um, you still see that there was that there was mending that had to happen. And I really feel that when I hear this album, um, whether it's in just the beauty and the tension in Tweedy's lyrics, or again, on a song like Pittsburgh or Soldier Child, where there's this kind of this music coming in waves to respond to what's already been sung. It feels like a record where they're willing to show you the cracks, but then are kind of filling the cracks in. And I just really love that. I love that it's kind of this wounded healer kind of thing. So I think, you know, folks that maybe aren't too familiar with Wilco or or don't, you know, immediately kind of spot like the musical references. Um, I think maybe that's something to listen for is like the way that they're kind of filling in the brokenness. Yeah, that's a great image for their work. Yeah, Eric, I'm glad that you mentioned Soldier Child because that one was a song that struck me not through any single line necessarily, although I guess the I fought like a soldier child trying to forget home. I think the thing that works about that lyric for me is that it's talking about the the speaker in the past and kind of effectively rejecting it as well. And so much of this record feels almost like a rejection of violence or a very nonviolent approach towards conflict, which is something that I very much appreciated. I think we need a lot more of that in the world today. And so I, I think saying I, I was this one person and now I know better and now I know differently and now I'm going to reach across a table towards your hand and try to find some sort of home and acceptance and understanding between the two of us, um, even if there may be some sort of a valley in between the two of us. That's something that really struck me too. Yeah. And I was going to say, Sarah, I really appreciate what you had to say about 10 Dead and I promise I'm not trying to go back to that song, but I think <laughs> when we think about Tweedy as a, a political songwriter, I think he he's really doing the same things that he does in his songs about personal relationships or romance. He's, he's kind of constantly asking like, what are we willing to accept and what are we willing to make peace with so that we can move on? Mm-hmm. I think what you talked about there was soldier child fits that too. And, and it feels like, you know, he's kind of constantly asking like what parts of myself, what parts of my country, what parts of this world can we accept and really be okay with? And what parts should we not be willing to accept any longer? And I, I think he's just, he kind of broaches that subject without pushing real hard on that. But in, in Soldier Child and Ten Dead, elsewhere throughout the record, I just I appreciate that willingness to kind of just ask, like, are we okay with things the way they are? Are there things we've been told that are bad that we actually need to see as good? And then there, are there things that we just need to be <laughs> saying, like, we're not okay with this anymore. We've, we've been numb to it too long. And um, I appreciate that kind of through line, too. And to keep pushing at that bruise just a little bit longer, like Ten Dead opens with, I woke up and then I went back to bed. And that feels like a rejection of that numbness as well, too. Like it's a recognition that this is something that has been going going on for so long that we are numb to it and we shouldn't be anymore. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that I appreciate as well is that it is a very firm rejection and it, it is a rejection, but it's also not a violent pushing away. It's, it's a very sober examination, I think. And I think the flip side of that too is like, again, as we talk about like finding beauty and sadness or brokenness, like there are, there's so much about ourselves when we think about shame and guilt and all of these things that we've been told is bad. And through the gospel, we see ourselves as 
as beautiful, right? As lovely as, as, as we should be accepting ourselves. We should be making peace with ourselves. And I think when we begin to do that, and maybe that's some of the secret of what Tweety has been up to in the songwriting as he's been working stuff out personally all these years. But as you're able to more accept yourself, I think then you're like, okay, I'm done beating up on myself. So now I can actually look out at the world around me and say, what's worth redeeming here and what needs to be set aside completely. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of love that idea of like, it feels like he's coming to more of a peace internally and more of a, like you said, almost a nonviolent war. <laughs> you know, if you want to go back to a really old Wilco song, War on War, kind of a nonviolent war with the rest of the world. And I kind of appreciate that dichotomy and that maybe feels kind of uh, authentic to me right at this moment. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> well, you two have made me want to immediately go put Cousin back on and listen to it all the way through. So I know I know this has been a good conversation. Thank you so much for this. Before Sarah and I go and try to catch that encore, Sarah, tell me how, how has uh, the Seen and Believing newsletter been going so far? So far, so good. We've been doing it for about a month now. And uh, Kevin McLenathan and I, who used to... Ho- co-host the Seeing and Believing podcast have pivoted to the written word. And so we are co-writing a newsletter together. We trade off just about every other week. And uh, so far, it's been really good. Kevin's reflection on Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon is a really good review, I think. And so if you're interested in reading any more of that, you can find us at seeingandbelieving.substack.com. Yeah, I've been enjoying getting those in my inbox. So keep it up. Uh, Eric, what have you been working on lately? I had just wrapped up a series that if we're going to plug, I would love to plug over at Fathom Magazine where I do a, a mostly weekly spot. And the column is called Because the Night. And basically it's this series of meditations on night. And that maybe sounds super basic, but I talked about night in pop songs. I talked about night in visual art and just how I... I don't know that I'm a night owl, but I'm somehow a night person. I feel more myself mm. at night than I do um, during the daytime, which we could psychoanalyze a whole other time. <laughs> um, but I really enjoyed writing that series. It was a four-piece series. I just wrapped it up um, about a week ago. And, uh, of course, taking its name from the Bruce Springsteen slash Patti Smith slash eventually 10,000 Maniacs song, uh, Because the Night. So, Yeah, those have been lovely. Thank um, you. So yes. I, I do encourage people to check those out. Well, thank you again. You too. We'll uh, be sure to have you back on the show sometime soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Josh. Sadly, Sarah and I did not make that encore. Maybe next time around for Wilco. If you have thoughts about Cousin or Wilco in general, or just thoughts about the show, we'd love to hear them. You can send them to tcpodcast at thinkchristian.net. And if you only have kind things to say, why not say them as a review over on Apple Podcasts? The star ratings are great. Even better are a couple of sentences. That really does help us reach new listeners. Now, for those of you who are watching on YouTube, just go ahead and click that subscribe button, and that's how you can help us. Thank you in advance for doing that. The TC Podcast is a listener-supported production of Reframe Ministries, a family of programs designed to help you see your whole life reframed by God's gospel story. Visit reframeministries.org for more info. Our audio engineer and post-production supervisor is John Reeder, and Reframe's co-director overseeing content strategy is Robin Bassett. I'm Josh Larson. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back again in a couple of weeks to consider how another corner of our pop culture fandom connects with our faith.